when the Iqama is given, he again, so the, the, the saying of the Adhan or the Iqama is also means driving away the jinn for an instant. This is for a Muslim believer. Yeah, this is specifically for a Muslim believer. However, if a person, for example, is seeking Islam, you know, and they do have some sort of consciousness of the oneness of Allah, and they are seeking out the truth, it is possible that they may use these and they may work for them also. Because ultimately it's a question of the sincerity of one seeking refuge in God that will provide for him or her, you know, a way, a protection. Um, can can jinns make a person sick, Brother Bihar? Yes. I mean, can they can they cause this person to be emotionally disturbed, uh, uh, emotionally, uh, you know, uh, out of his mind? Uh, can this person have headaches? Um, start seeing things, um, you know, can this person become, you know, sick with no known medical cure? Sure, there have been many cases, those people who are involved in exorcism, you know, I've reported many cases of this, you know, I've visited uh, exorcists in various parts of the Muslim world and discussed with them the different cases that they've had, and, you know, observed some of the cases myself, talked with exorcists. Someone who takes out the people who are involved in removing the jinn or possessing spirits from individuals. People who are Muslims who are using Muslim methodology of reciting Quran over the person. And they have reported, you know, that this is the case. And actually there are instances, uh, even in the time of the Prophet, may Allah peace be upon him, where people were brought to the companions of the Prophet who were, you know, in a state of madness or semi-madness or ailing and they were given verses of the Quran or even Surah Al-Fatiha also the first chapter of the Quran this was used by the Quran by the companions of the Prophet recited over those who were sick by because of the spiritual force of the jinn and they became well from it so we know that the jinn can affect a person physically could affect a person mentally a person who goes insane this could be a result of uh, spiritual possession, jinn possession. Not to say that every insane person is a person who is uh, you know, possessed by the jinn, but this could also be among the cases. Of course, relative to God, a person who loses his senses is not held to account anymore you know, for whatever he or she says or does. But we know there are you know, cases that were brought to the Prophet Muhammad, one woman, for example, who came and expressed to the Prophet upon him that she would fall under possession and would take off her clothes. So she asked if he would uh, pray to God and have this condition of her relieved, you know, the possessing forces being held back or driven out. And he said, I can do that, but if you are patient, uh, you, know, you will earn paradise for yourself. So she asked, that he prayed that she not remove her clothes because of course it was something very embarrassing you know? so he prayed for her and that's part of it stopped but the possession part is a trial for her that if she bore uh, that you know, the reward that the prophet promised her was paradise but this is the case where she was physically coming under this influence and it caused her to do this you know, normally we call such people you know, exhibitionists or you know, etc they have this compulsive urge comes over them at a certain time to take off all their clothes and just you know, expose themselves. Not to say every exhibitionist comes out of this category. There are some who are just perverts, you know, who you know, uh, want to get their jollies off by doing these type of things. But normally speaking, uh, there are cases of people who are overcome by this urge. And in fact, we believe this is a form of uh, possession which takes place at a certain point in time. And it may come in the form of illnesses which doctors cannot determine the source of. It may come in the form of epilepsy. Seizures. Seizures. One, you know, fit. epileptic fits. You know, as a matter of fact, the, the medical profession has, has admitted that there is a large portion of epilepsy, epileptic cases, which are caused by 
described by factors unknown to them. So they divide their cases into two categories. That which have biological causes, which are known, and those which is the larger portion, which have no known causes. They just appear. And what you find is that those people involved in exorcism are most successful in this category. Very interesting. So then, uh, in response to that uh, question, I mean, uh, can jinns um, make a person sick? I mean, it's obvious that uh, uh, this, is, this has been documented medically throughout history, and uh, this is still uh, a phenomenon that is in very much in existence today uh, within the medical profession uh, throughout the world and uh, uh, within uh, religious uh, activities as well. Um, of course, there's one thing one should keep in mind here, that the process of exorcism occurs in all of the various religious systems. You will find people who are involved in various forms of idolatry, you know, Buddhism, Hinduism, all kinds of tree worship, you know, all kinds of things, uh, exercising people, you know, and doing so successfully. The uh, explanation that one would naturally have to give to this, how, how, how does this take place, you know, if uh, exorcism involves removing the evil forces from a person, and this is something by the aid of God, does God aid those who are involved in idolatry also? It's a question worth, you know, that's often asked. Uh, the fact is that we must remember that the jinn or the evil forces may leave a person willingly or unwillingly. If idolatry belief in idolatry, what we call ship, is confirmed in the presence of one who is possessed by the people around or by the person who is himself or herself possessed, then that is sufficient. The jinn may leave that person and go on to somebody else. So if a priest comes and he says in the name of Buddha or in the name of Jesus Christ, you know, he makes the sign of the cross, he sprinkles holy water, whatever, and the person becomes cured. It's not because this has actually cured that person, but because their idolatrous beliefs have been confirmed. And this is what the jinn wants from them in any case. Whereas in the case of the recitation of the Quran, the uh, jinn does not leave because it is pleased leaves because it is forced to leave. So you will find people who are involved in voodoo, you know, various forms of devil worship, sat you know, satanic worship, who will come and apparently cure people. Why? Because they are in, co you know, in collusion with these evil forces. They may even be the ones who direct the evil forces to certain people, so these people will end up having to come to them and they appear to cure the people, and then those people become their followers. Those people are drawn into their circle. So it's a means of trapping people also. And the apparent cures are not really cures, but just the jinn or evil, evil jinn leaving, you know, uh, having succeeded in what was attempting to do. Very interesting. Okay. Uh, can James eventually cause uh, the death, uh, the demise of, um, of, of a person, of, of people? Do they have this, this power, this ability uh, to do? I don't think so. I think uh, from what, you know, uh, we have understood from the teachings of the Quran and the Sunnah, that this will not... The, the jinn will not in and of itself cause the death deliberately. It may happen accidentally, like a person falls into a seizure and swallows his tongue. It's not that the jinn is pushing the tongue down the throat, but in that state of seizure, the person may accidentally die. Right? People who get into epileptic seizures choke on their own tongue and die, right? Suffocation, yeah. Or, you know, a person may be in a particular uh, place or position and become overcome and fall from a height and hurt and kill themselves. It may happen in that kind of fashion. Or a person may become so despondent, you know, so, you know, um, you know giving up all kind of hope and kill themselves. You 
see, not being able to bear this anymore, they feel they can't bear it anymore, whatever, and they commit suicide. To you as an outsider, it may appear that they have been driven to this, and you know, it's like uh, they've been possessed and they were killed due to that possession, but in fact it's the person not being able to be, to, to hang in there and deal with what they're, what they're, uh, what they're affected by, and they taking their own lives. But as far as, you know, I have understood from the teaching of the Quran and from the Sunnah, it is not possible for the jinn to uh, cause a death unless, unless a person has killed a jinn. Because we have an instant in the time of the Prophet, may Allah's peace and blessings be upon him, where one of the companions killed a jinn that was in a snake form attempted to, he wounded the, 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 the jinn, and the jinn killed him, they both died. So it is possible in such cases, but as a norm, we would say it would not be so. Uh, uh, the same then uh, can be said of, uh, uh, of a black cat. Uh, uh, biting or you know possessing going for the jugular vein of a human being uh, uh, something to that extent uh, uh, and causing the physical demise of, of, of a person a cat symbolizing one of the mentioned uh, or a dog you know or a I mean, dog yes. Yes. yes I mean it's possible you know in, in this I mean, where, where they're equally able to you know one may harm the other, the other may harm one, you know, this may, this one-on-one -on -one kind of situation, I guess it, it is possible. Um, where it is a case of possession, where it's to say now that the jinn may take over your body and cause cancer to kill you, or to cause the cancer to develop and you die from that, this is the type of thing that we say, we do not believe so because Allah said that they have no control over us. In that sense, they cannot control us to the point of killing us. But in one of the other forms, as a, as a snake or as a dog or whatever, that they may attack us, you know, under some circumstances and kill us, just as we may kill them. Um, how can uh, I can cite the case uh, to you, Brother Bilal, of um, of a person? who accepted Islam. Uh, more specifically, this is the case of, of, uh, of a young lady who became a Muslim. She was at one time a confirmed atheist, according to her. She became Muslim, but prior to her becoming Muslim uh, and, and being what she considered to be a, an atheist, uh, she used to see certain certain visions. Visions. Uh, she used to hear and listen to certain sounds, uh, to certain um, uh, forms of of communication that she was unable to have explained to her uh, intellectually. And this is not the, the average young lady type. I mean, this is someone who is highly educated, um, you know, uh, developed, mature, and the same goes for her sister. Okay, uh, her blood sister uh, seen claimed to have seen her cousin, their cousin who was killed in an automobile accident, and their beloved cousin uh, was used to come to them in their dreams, apparently uh, while asleep, and as well as during non-sleeping uh, activities. Uh, they used to talk to each other, or so, or so they claim. Now, when one of the young ladies uh, became a Muslim, she accepted Islam, the true religion of Almighty God, uh, she stopped. These activities were lessened, or almost became nullified, or nil. Whereas her sister continues to this very day to see uh, these images, uh, these visions, and to hear uh, these sounds and, and forms of communication. What do you attribute that to? I mean, how is that possible? How is that explained? 
Well, this could very well be uh, a case of you know, the jinn uh, utilizing uh, personal weaknesses. You know, these uh, sisters, for example, uh, love or dearly love this cousin of theirs. So that puts them in a state of weakness by appearing in the form of the, of the cousin. You know, it, it keeps them attached uh, to the dead. And, um, and keeps them in a you know a state of of imbalance because half they will not be, be, be believing this it will seem something unbelievable but yet it is real to them so they're in a state of a state of mental imbalance and it is in this kind of a state that they may be drawn into idolatry even the sister for example as an atheist you know uh, because the atheist it's possible to get out of that and get into Islam. They may. Be, this is a way of trying to draw that sister along with the other one. I don't know what she was with the atheist also, or she was a Catholic or what was she? A Catholic uh, by uh, by by, by profession, name. by name, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, not one of a, of a serious practice. Mm. But um, it was. It, it could have been a means of trying to draw them back into. Uh, full-fledged Catholicism, maybe because of the fact that there were certain signs indicating that they were, you know, moving towards what may have been the truth. You know, uh, of course, when they failed with the atheist sister who became a Muslim, then you know they tried to concentrate their efforts, say, on this sister who was not so possibly she would not take that path also, you know, hoping that uh, she would reach out to one of the other voodoo type channels or you know, spiritualist channels which involve some idolatry. So um, the, the attacks or the influence may have ceased for the sister who accepted Islam temporarily. There's no guarantee that it may not come back again. It's one thing we should understand here. And just because one accepts Islam doesn't mean automatically it ceases totally. But you know, the likelihood is a lot less. Their ability to affect such a person is much less than if they came back because that person believes in God and they trust in God. They turn to God and tend to ward them off, keep them off. Whereas the other sister who has no protection as such, you know, uh, she would be subject to these influences until it was certain. I mean, especially if she, for example, had seen her teacher become a Muslim, she may be thinking about becoming a Muslim. So these influences may actually even increase to try to discourage her from taking that possible path. So, uh, we could say this is a possible explanation. I can't say that that's what it is. One would have to look more into the circumstances see what the state of the family, the parents, what type of situation was there in the house that they were living in. No, it's a lot of factors that one would all have to take into account. But it's definitely, I mean, these visions are something which people experience all around the world. My mother, for example, just told me about um, seeing somebody in the living room in her apartment that she in there just recently few months back, you know, and uh, she wanted to get a hold of me, called call me to make some prayers for her, whatever, and but she wasn't able to get a hold of me, so she, um, you know, made a cross and put it over her bedroom door, and, and sure enough, it stopped, you know, once she fell back into whole-scale you know, Christianity, Christian, Trinitarian, idolatrous concepts, then the process stopped. When I tried to explain that to her, that it didn't stop because you used the cross, but because, not because using of the cross caused it to stop, but because, because when you used the cross and, and confirmed what it wanted for you, because you were maybe reflecting on Islam and you know, the truth and the oneness of God and these kind of things, you know, that this is just to sink you a little deeper into these kind of Beliefs, you know, to make it much more difficult for you to get out of the idolatry, even though all around you people are professing, you know, the true 
belief in one God, you know, which you in the deep depths of your heart know to be true. Did, um, uh, and to this day, uh, you know, several months later, did Mama be blessed, uh, you know, like, you know, after that? Uh, well, you know, I tried, I said I tried to give that explanation to her, but of course, she doesn't want to hear that explanation, right? So what she wants to, is just good enough for her is that the, you know, the, the tr tried and, and, and proven cross, you know, you know, has, has done the, the, the trick. So, just pray for her, man, you know. How it is, uh, in uh, in considering uh, the case of this sister uh, who who accepted Islam after being a confirmed, according to her, uh, atheist, she she has also shared uh, with us that uh, um, while her mother being in a state of sickness, in a state of uh, grave pain, uh, you know, she's ailing, she's currently, uh, you know, it's been confirmed that she has cancer, and she's in a great deal of pain, and, and so forth and so on. Now, one of the things that she, as a Muslim, uh, wanted to do was to uh, uh, take away from her house the statues and images and... Uh, uh, candle, altars, and things of that sort that a typical Catholic household possesses and much, much more. Even her non-Muslim uh, blood sister, you know, uh, uh, agreed to do this uh, as, uh, as, as an effort to uh, purify the house spiritually. Uh, her mother reneged that her mother wished not to do this. Let her if she's going to die, let her die with all her crosses or her candles or her images and so forth. Uh, now, is it possible that uh, maybe the jinns want her to, uh, want to make her to believe that those statues or that these statues can do something, you know, possess some sort of uh, cure? Uh, some sort of uh, pure power, some sort of uh, ailment, some sort of prescription that modern or current medical uh, science has yet, has yet to do? Sure. As I mentioned before, you know, you will find cases where the statues may speak to the people. Uh, you had the case of some statues where they start to weep at certain points in time. You had one in, in Ireland where it started to shake, you know, Statue of Virgin Mary would start to rock back and forth. And in Portugal, and maybe weeping in Portugal. You know, in, in, in uh, Yugoslavia, they had the uh, vision. I mean, the point is that these factors will be there. Uh, they will be, these are, are means of encouragement to people who are involved in idolatry to hold on firmly to their idols. Of course, not doubt that you know this this whispering would be there in the mind of the sick mother you know that if you give these things up you know you will be damned to hell and you know you know the those type of uh, fearful thoughts you know, will be put into the mind especially if they're on their deathbed or you know, helpless uh, they're in pain mm. uh, so that the understanding basically is that uh, one should have uh, clear-cut uh, uh, vision that uh, death, life and death comes from Allah, from the, from the one true God, uh, uh, that uh, cure uh, for any ailment comes from the one true God, Allah, and Allah alone, as opposed to statues, uh, uh, man-made created objects. Uh, Even as a Muslim, when you take medicine, you know, it is incorrect for one to believe that the taking of the medicine is going to cure them. Say like a cough, for cough syrup? Whatever. Aspirin? Anything. Taking any medical treatment, it is actually incorrect for a Muslim to believe that this treatment is going to cure them. 
they have to have the belief that God will cure them through the medium of So when they take it, they should really be reflecting on God's power to cure them. And when they are cured, not, you know, thanking the doctor and, and, and putting all the power to the pills, but thanking God. This is the correct although most people are not really aware This is how when one takes a pill, he says, in the name of Allah, in the name of God, ask God to cure you in this medium. Even when you go on the operation table, the doctor, he is performing the operation. But it is Allah who determines whether that operation is successful or not. Because how many skillful doctors get on the table and their patients die? for reasons unknown to them after having done the same operation they've been doing for years and people seemingly to get well from these operations yet there are cases of people dying because it's not ultimately their operation which cures that person that saves that person it's Allah if Allah has destined the time to die and the time is in the course of that operation well then that's when the person is going to die no matter what he's done. But of course we don't know. So we as individuals are obliged to use whatever means God has given us of technology etc. to the best degree that we can. But at the same time believing that it is Allah, it is God who will cure us or allow us to be cured or not. So everything uh, gets back to, once again, um, as it always does, uh, to intent, intention. Um, uh, you know, it's the, the medium, understanding that uh, uh, the medium that modern science, uh, modern technology has available today uh, is not the, the end or, it is not the pure or. It is, it is a means by which uh, we use at our disposal to, uh, to reflect upon the the greatness of the Creator. Well, it's a means which God has submitted for us to take pleasure in the things that He has given us while recognizing that it is from Him and glorifying Him even more. Because the more technology we have is the more that Allah has blessed us. And it means the more that we are required to thank Him. But God has made everything in this universe submitted to us as a blessing. But at the same time, we have a duty to Him to submit ourselves to Him who created us. Submit our will to His will because He knows what's best for us. He knows the forces that can harm us, whether physical or spiritual, and He knows that which will help us. So by submitting our wills to His will, we choose the way which is best for us in this life. See, the mistake that people hold that what has been commanded by God is sort of like a burden. making life difficult for us but in fact not it's really a release it's freedom when we submit our will to the will of God we then liberate ourselves from submission to the will of mankind of creation submitting ourselves to our own desires when we submit ourselves to God liberate ourselves from the material world. With Abu Amina Bilal Phillips, author of 
various Islamic books, including uh, Ibn Taymiyyah's essay on the jinn or demons. To begin with, uh, a first question Who are the jinns, Brother Bina? How are they defined? Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, Salatu wa Salam, Rasul Kareem. All praise due to Allah and may Allah's peace and blessings be on his last Prophet Muhammad and on all those who follow the path of righteousness until the last day. The jinn represent one of the orders of spiritual beings as defined by Allah in the Quran and by the last Prophet Muhammad in his sunnah or its pronouncements from the Islamic point of view there are three orders of spiritual beings the angels the soul human souls and the jinn the angels the prophet explained may Allah's peace and blessings be upon him were created from light the angels were created from light Man created from clay, the elements, the earth, and the jinn were created from fire, from an elemental fire, not necessarily the fires that we know in this life, but a fire as defined by God. Not that they are and continue to be fire, just as the angels are not light in and of themselves, just as man is in and of himself clay, he has changed, so his origin is from those elements, he is not still clay. So similarly, the, the angels are not looked at as being light per se now, but that is the origin of their creation. And similarly, the jinn, their origin is that of fire. Now. The angels, according to the descriptions in the Quran, do not disobey God. They are beings whom Allah has created to serve certain purposes in the universe. They fulfill His command. They do not disobey Him in any way at all. On the other hand, the jinn and mankind have a free will. Allah has given them, if you will, an ability to choose between good and evil. Allah has made mankind superior to the jinn. This is Allah's choice. Just as within the other created beings of this world, He has made certain beings superior to other beings. Man has been made superior to the jinn. However, both have the ability to choose between right and wrong and will be judged on the day of judgment based on the choices they made and will receive either paradise or punishment and hell continual at the end of this world. Are there good genes? Are there bad genes? What is the difference if so? Well, as I stated, the jinn, just like men, have a choice between good and evil. So it means naturally that there are believers amongst the jinn as there are believers amongst mankind, and disbelievers amongst the jinn as there are disbelievers amongst mankind. They may follow the various uh, religions that exist amongst men, or may have religions of their own. And those who are believers will be righteous to varying degrees just as believers amongst humans are righteous to varying degrees some are more righteous than others but all being from Allah's creation are capable of making errors so amongst the jinn you have believers who are very good very righteous others who are mediocre others who are sinful 
you have those who are disbelievers who may do certain acts which may appear to us to be good but their intent is evil now according to the Quranic teaching the angels were commanded to bow to Adam and there was amongst the angels a jinn by the name of Iblis who is commonly known as Satan who had been elevated to this position due to certain qualities which God had given him however when he was commanded to bow along with the angels he refused to bow and his argument was that he was superior to man who was created from clay when he was created from fire and so his pride led him to disobey God and it is because of this that pride is considered the original sin from an Islamic point of view it is what led Satan to disobey God and cause himself to be cursed eternally and man similarly when he falls under the influence of pride turns away from God and may disobey God and cause himself also to be damned eternally so the Prophet may Allah peace be upon him had said that no one who has a mustard seed's worth of pride in his heart will enter paradise um Brother Bilal, in what form would you say that uh, these jinns, uh, the good ones and the bad ones, appeared uh, to the human uh, senses? Uh, do they appear only at night, uh, only Friday night, uh, Saturday night? I mean, how do they appear? In what sense? In general, the jinn are invisible to human eyes. As a norm, the majority of the jinn are invisible. Though some of them take physical forms, which have been defined by the Prophet Muhammad, may Allah blessing be upon him, they may take some relatively permanent physical forms, like that of snake, certain snakes, also the black dog, the dog which is completely black. These are amongst the forms that the Prophet defined as being common among the physical forms that jinns may appear in, appear in. However, of the jinns, and you have three basic classes that the Prophet defined, there are certain jinns which are, are limited to certain areas of the earth. They are not able to move around beyond the area that they exist in. For example, east and west? No, wherever they are on the earth. There are another kind which are able to move around, and there's some which which uh, live basically in, in, on an atmospheric level in the air. Right? There are three sort of stages or states that you know that they exist in. Those obviously are amongst those which are on the ground, and those which have the uh, these, some of these animal forms. But the other jinns also who are normally invisible may appear in human form or as images, statues, etc. They may enter into statues or places and make sounds from these places. They may also enter into human dreams. Prophet Muhammad said that dreams are of three types. You have one type which is from God, two dreams wherein God shows us something of the future and it comes true. Either directly in the sense that we see a very clear image which sometime later we end up uh, living or indirectly where we see something which is somewhat vague and it goes to our subconscious and then a certain circumstance arises or we go to a certain place and we have this feeling haven't we been here before? haven't I done this before? it's called in English from the French déjà vu now this is 
also a product of these two dreams which God gives to man as a means of showing him that there are powers beyond him that God is there because no matter how an atheist one who denies the existence of God may feel about the non-existence of God this is clear evidence to him when he has such dreams or, or experiences such experiences that there are forces beyond him which he cannot put his finger on and this leads him to realization of God the other category of dreams are the regurgitation of your daily affairs you read a novel you know, a detective novel and you're dreaming about being that detective uh, you have met somebody that day and then that in your dream you're discussing with that person traveling with the person or whatever this is a normal pattern which also takes place in the dreams and there's a third category which are satanic dreams where Satan the evil jinn may come in and influence your dreams where you may find yourself going to do things which are prohibited you know things which you know are wrong you end up being involved in them in your dreams or you find yourself you know experiencing very fearful very horrible type dreams which puts a kind of a fear in you where you come out of those dreams you know trying to seek some kind of solace or some kind of support you know mechanism which may not be according to the will of God you may end up into idolatry to seek some kind of support or there may be dreams which give you some kind of idea that you are superior to others or that you are God. So these type of dreams may come, the satanic ones may come in a number of different ways. But ultimately, they are the dreams which lead you to sinful acts, either on a physical level where you commit certain physical acts which are prohibited, or on a spiritual level where you make certain claims for yourself or you get yourself involved in forms of worship which involve worshipping God's creation instead of worshipping God. So, the jinn may appear in physical form, in the form of certain animals, or they may appear in the form of visions, where people will see a vision of the Christ child, or Jesus on the cross, various things like this. Or they may come into the dreams. But the main purpose of the appearance of the jinn especially in the form of illusions, of uh, what we call uh, visions, or in the dreams, is to draw man into shirk, into idolatry, some form of idolatry. This is the common thread. Because just as an evil person is not satisfied or happy until he has drawn everybody around him into evil, Similarly amongst the jinn, those that are evil will try to draw human beings into idolatry, the ultimate evil. What can, uh, what can they eventually do uh, to, the human, to the human mind, I mean, to the human being? Uh, do they have a power, a physical power to make someone do something? that they normally would not do? What is the ultimate power, let us say, of, of, of these creatures? Well, God has said in the Quran very clearly that in reference to the jinn, evil jinn, that they had no power over man. No ultimate power over man. They only invited and we obeyed. Whispered? Through the whispering, as in the last chapter of the Quran, where we seek refuge in God, the whisperer comes into our heart and whispers evil to us. Through the whisperings, it may be from the evil among mankind making direct suggestions, you know, uh, or through our dreams. It could come in a variety of different ways. Can you recite uh, that, that, that chapter of the Quran? You said there's a direct reference to students of in the chapter of the Holy Quran. Can you recite that for us? Al-Nadi yuwaswisu fi sudurin nas The one which whispers into the hearts of mankind min al-jinnati wa nas 
from among the jinn as well as well as from among mankind. So these evil influences, whisperings of evil which causes or call us to sin, it may be from the world of the jinn or it could very well be from the world of men. This is why you find in the Quran when God refers to Shayateen al Jinni wal Inf the Satans or the devils amongst the jinn and amongst but that clearly indicates uh, that there's another form of being other than the human being. Correct? Sure. There's, I mean, there's another there is form of life other than, than uh, the life of human beings uh, as we know it. Sure. You have the chapter called the jinn in the Quran. There's a chapter which speaks about the jinn. The, 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 the demons. Yeah, well, you know, demons actually is not a fair translation of the term jinn. But generally speaking, from a Christian point of view, they tend to look at all of the spiritual forces outside of man, generally speaking, outside of the angels, being demons. Whereas, uh, so this may be a loose translation of the term jinn. However, it is only the evil amongst them that we may really call demons. From a Christian point of view, they consider the souls which are, or they spirits which may possess a man or possess a place or whatever, these are from living beings uh, who died under tragic circumstances or whatever. And their souls may wander around the earth and, and you know, possess other people, whatever. However, from an Islamic point of view, this is not the case. The person, when he dies, his soul cannot no longer influence this world. He is cut off. He enters into a state known as the Barzah. This is a, a state between uh, the life of this world and until the judgment. He's in a state, a suspended state, where he no longer has any influence in this world. Suspended animation, maybe? Well, not that. In a sense, but it, it's just, he's just in a suspended state. Limbo, we could call it. You know, until? Until the judgment. The soul, you know, is reunited with the body and he's brought to judgment and then goes to either heaven or hell, depending on the someone that needs the grace of God. Okay, then, so, um, uh, who, who are affected by judgment? Every human being, uh, every form of creation, ants, cucarachas, uh, roaches, uh, flies, mosquitoes, uh, animals, who, who is affected directly and or indirectly by judgment? Well, we know that the human beings may be affected by the jinn. In terms of the other animals of creation, we do from reports that have been made that you know that the jinn may enter into just as they enter into solids, and this is mentioned in the Quran, where after Musa, Prophet Musa, salam, had passed over the Red Sea, and his people remember. Uh, he left them to go and seek audience with God. And the people who stayed behind had made this golden calf, right? And the calf started to to low. It started to, to talk to them. You see, which, as if this calf had come alive. The evil jinn had entered into the calf and, you know, created an impression for the people, as they do around the world. You know, people who deal in idolatry they will talk or tell you about going to the statues and the statues talking to them. You know, people who believe in the Virgin Mary, whatever, they have their statues and they stay there long enough with the statue and then the statue starts to talk to them. You know, these are the influences of the jinn. So if they can enter into physical beings, uh, you know, which are, say, created objects, you know, carved objects, etc., we don't doubt that this can take place in the case of animals. You know, you have a number of cases where, for example, like Son of Sam, you know, who was... Uh, who used to, who had executed a number of people there, you know, in New York City, when he was put to trial, uh, he was, he was told, he said that this, this black dog used to come to him, and used to tell him to go and kill him. He used to talk to him. Right? Uh, of course, the psychiatrist considered the man just to be, you know, insane. And they didn't give any weight to the possibility that the dog could have been actually communicating with him, talking to him in that sense, or that really a being could have been inside talking to him dog because 
modern psychiatry has totally ruled out the supernatural. Whereas, you know, from an Islamic perspective, Islamic point of view, there have been many cases recorded, you know, where uh, the jinn may enter into birds or other animals, and this may be a means of drawing people into various forms of idolatry. Some people who claim, for example, sainthood in the past, who were actually evil individuals, I mean, they would create impressions on the people, you know, for example, they would go and the, and the birds, you know, would, would, would give salams to them, for example, would greet them. And of course, the people who were with them would be just awed totally, you know, this is a clear sign that this man is a man of God, he's, you know, a man close to God, if he's not God himself. You see, in this way, people were drawn into to idolatry. So, the jinn may affect human beings from all categories, people who are involved in shirk, etc. And it tends shirk, to be being shirk being idolatry, and it tends to be more concentrated amongst them. People who are involved in clear worship of God in the pure form, it tends to be less amongst them. You know? When people are involved in sinful activities, it tends to, to be more amongst them, because it tends to encourage them to keep them in those activities. So in other words, people that are God-conscious, people that are striving to do the right thing, people that are striving to, to be at peace with the Creator, are, are less likely to be affected or, yeah. or deviated uh, from the straight path? Uh, They're less likely to be affected by the jinn, but they may still be affected. You see, um, of course, you, I mean, most of us have experienced, before just coming to Islam, you know, where all these thoughts go racing through our minds, you know, all kinds of factors seem to happen around us, trying to get us not to make that step. You know, this is the last ditch effort, you know, the evil forces of the jinn, etc., to try to keep us from making the step. Once you make the step, then they give up. They may come back at another point in time, you know, if they feel that you are, you know, because we have our ups and downs. We're not always, you know, uh, on high, right? So, you know, when we're in, in states of, of being down, they may swing into play and try to whisper some things in our hearts or, you know, in different ways to cause us to, to, to seek aid from other than Allah to, to some form of idolatry. So it doesn't mean that once a person becomes a believer, automatically all these things cease. It may cease, it may continue with them for some time, as they strive to build themselves, eventually it may stop. It may stop immediately and it may come back again at another point in time. But the thing that the believer has to know is that these forces ultimately, you know, are n not greater than Allah. That he or she may be tested for periods of time by these kinds of uh, trials. But if they hold on firmly to their belief in Allah, ultimately they will defeat these. So then, when, when the jinns attack a person, or when they possess a person, what can that person do? Take two aspirins and, and call the doctor in the morning? I mean, what can that person do to, to be relieved from this, from this possession? Okay, if a person is possessed, the first thing that they should do is that they should try to ensure that they are doing what they are supposed to be doing as far as the teachings of the religion go, you know, the true teachings. One, they should insist on purity as much as possible. They should try to maintain a state of purity, that is making wudu ablutions, you know, whenever they try to maintain that state washing the hands, the face, the body, and so on, so, you know, staying in this state, this preparatory state for worship, right? This is a state of purification. Try to maintain that state at all times. Tahara. Yes. Then, furthermore, one should make, you know, extra prayers, especially outside of the formal prayers, we call salah, the five times daily prayers. One should try to make extra prayers at night. One should read the Qur'an often, have the Qur'an read over them, you know. Um, uh, there are certain prayers which the Prophet, may Allah peace and blessings upon him, gave as, as a means of, of 
breaking such spells, but specifically the last two chapters of the Quran, known as Falaq and Nas. These two chapters were actually revealed to the Prophet, may Allah peace and blessing be upon him, to break a spell which had affected the Prophet, cast by a magician, a person involved also, because magical spells affect people through the aid of the jinn. Can, can, you, can you recite that, that those two, please? The two chapters which are recited, and they're called the Mu'awwadatan, that is, the two means of seeking refuge in God from evil. Right? The first of the two, called Surah Al-Falaq, it begins, A'udhu Billahi Shaitan Al-Rajim, I seek refuge in the name of Allah from the evil Satan, the cursed Satan. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, in the name of Allah, the Beneficent, the Most Merciful. Qul a'udhu bi Rabbil Falaq. Say, I seek refuge in the Lord of the Dawn. Min sharri ma khalaq. From the evil of what has been created. Wa min sharri ghasiqin idha waqa. From the evil of the night when it falls. وَمِنْ شَرِّ النَّفَّاثَاتِ فِي And from the evil of the witches who blow a nut. وَمِنْ شَرِّ حَاسِدٍ إِذَا حَسَدٍ And from the evil of the envier when he or she is envious. The second chapter, قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ النَّاسِ I seek refuge in the Lord of mankind. Malikin Nas, the king of mankind. Ilahin Nas, the god of mankind. Ninsharil Waswasil Khannas, from the evil of the whisperer. Alladiyu Waswisufi Sudurin Nas, who whispers into the hearts of men. Minal Jinnati Wannas from among the jinn and among mankind. Brother Bilal, what other set of instructions, ayats, chapters from the Quran, can you cite uh, to us in regards to this phenomenon for protection? How can someone protect himself or herself from uh, these types of uh, um, activities. Well, the verse, uh, which is verse number 255 from the second chapter of the Quran, known as Al-Baqarah, uh, this verse, called the verse of the throne, or the verse of the footstool, has been recommended by the Prophet Muhammad, may Allah's peace and blessings be upon him, as a means also of protecting oneself from evil. And the text of the verse is as follows Allahu la ilaha illahu Allah there is no God but He Al Hayyul Qayyum the living the eternal La ta'khuduhu sinatun wala naum neither slumber nor sleep overtakes Him لَهُ مَا فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَمَا فِي الْأَرْضِ All that is in the heavens and the earth belong to him. مَنْ ذَا الَّذِي يَشْفَعُ عِنْدَهُ إِلَّا بِإِذْنِهِ Who can intercede on behalf of others to him except by his permission? يَعْلَمُ مَا بَيْنَ أَيْدِيهِمْ وَمَا خَلْفَهُمْ he knows what is in front of them and what is behind them. وَلَا يُحِيطُونَ بِشَيْءٍ مِّنْ عِلْمِهِ إِلَّا بِمَا They will not grasp any of his knowledge except what he wills. وَسِعَ كُرْسِيُّهُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ His footstool extends over the heavens and earth. وَلَا يَؤُودُهُ حِفْظُهُمَا 
and he is not made tired by governing them. He is the transcendent, the magnificent. Okay. Um, Brother Bilal, I mean, I could also add that the making of the Adhan, the Prophet, may Allah peace and blessings be upon him, has stated that when the Adhan 